This is Caroline. And today we're here to talk about Defending Jacob, episodes four and five. The barbers have circled the wagons and are starting to either rise or fall under the weight of what's going through them. Absolutely. I would describe Andy as being extremely proactive. He wants to take action. He wants to take a lead on finding suspects, on finding alternate possibilities as to what happened that day, other motives anyone basically to figure out who or what why this whole thing happened whereas I would consider Lori as being extremely reactive everything that happens is a devastation to her you're right you called it in the first podcast that she was going to be most likely to fall apart and she is very clearly going to win that award over the course of these episodes we see a few different sides of Jacob they are all kind of offshoots of secret of sullen teen Like, for instance, we see him very angry with Sarah at one point, but then on the fishing trip with his dad, at the end of the fifth episode, we actually see what might be remorse or something, like... Because he's, uh, he's apologizing at that point for putting his family through all this, basically. I would not say remorse, but I would say a more childlike innocence to the whole thing. A more, you know, I'm so sorry that we had to go through all this... You know, not necessarily I'm taking responsibility by any means, but very sorry that his family is going through this. And he seems more aware that things are falling apart for his parents. This is a lot to unpack for four and five, and I'm glad we get to do it. Let's dive on in. The discussion with the defense attorney reveals that Andy might have a talent for the kind of work that goes into a defense, even though the defense attorney is not actually going to mount a defense If you were Andy or Lori and your kid was accused of this crime, could you sit back and be like, well, they got to prove everything. I'm not going to come up with an alternate alternate theory. I think the key was the questioning of Jacob and the way that he responded to Joanna. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was all over the map. It seemed like he couldn't remember. Standing, sitting, kneeling. Yeah. And then they were taking other bits of information like, well, Derek said your pants were clean. And then he's like, well, maybe I was crouching. Like that kind of stuff. I don't think that you could possibly put him on the stand. He became so flustered and then so quickly angry with Joanna being like, you are tricking me. You're manipulating manipulating me. You're twisting my words. You're trying to confuse me. I mean, he would be a nightmare on the stand. So as badly as I want an alternative motive, I want someone else to be able to blame. I agree wholeheartedly with not putting Jacob on the stand. As a dad, do you think that you would go seek more on your own? Within the limits of my ability to do things like that. And if I were Andy, those limits would be super high because I would have been through so much already as a prosecuting attorney, I would have seen every trick that the defense attorneys had ever thrown at me. And I would then put them to work (laughs) for my kid, which is how he ends up talking to Matthew. I thought that part of the story was riveting. Finally, an opportunity to address this story that we've been told about Leonard and having this this run-in with Matthew in the library, which, my God, Paul, the second we meet this family, and most especially Matthew... The concept that that kid is like the last kid ever who would have been sitting around in the library could not have been more crystal clear. There is so much evidence mounting that Matthew's story is bogus. I felt forever that Leonard is going to be on the other side of that video game that Jacob is playing because we had that little foreshadowing of Andy saying, 
hey, who are you talking to? Who are you talking? And he was like, I, I don't know, some guy. Uh, to me, yeah. that's fucking Leonard. I know <laughs> it is. They are definitely tied up in something. There is going to be an element of humiliation here. I felt that with Matthew. As soon as he started kind of pushing on him, like maybe you were into this a little, maybe you were doing something with this guy. I don't think that was the right tack to take. Do you? I think he wanted to assert that he could be a tough guy too because that's how Matthew came out. I mean, we've seen Andy in court. We've seen him with his boss. This is a kid. This is like a 17-year-old kid or something. He's not going to be verbally shoved by around by this douche you know right so he lays into him handily do you feel like this was the right way though even though i agree with you it's consistent do you think that he should have maybe talked to the mom more should he have tried to be a little bit more like hey matthew I really want to get this Leonard guy and I really want to nail him to the wall. Is there anything you can tell me that could help rather than coming at it from a Jacob side well, and like a like a you listen to me kid? A, I don't know any mom that I that I know in my current life as Paul that would would have a man come to her door and say, "I want to talk to your molested kid." And and the mom would be like, "Entrez-vous." That would not happen. So to be a little bit more fair, she did recognize him as the parent of Jacob. Doesn't matter. <laughs> well, and he did say, I need to talk to him because I think maybe the same guy was involved. Now, I'm with you. If I'm the mom, I'm saying, awesome. When are the police investigators and detectives going to be here to talk about this with him? Why are you here? I mean, after all, she's a parent. Did she go do her own investigation with Matthew? I don't think so. She I didn't definitely really don't think so. Like a like an active sort of uh, investigator. I thought it was odd that she didn't jump up and stop the conversation sooner, frankly. I thought maybe she was enjoying the show. She was like, I can't see. wait to see what happens next. She literally was like eating her popcorn, watching <laughs> the two of them go back and forth. I was like, this is so weird. It was, it was uh, only after it looked like it might get physical that she was like, all right, all right, all right, break it up. Super satisfying that by the end of episode five, we have Matthew starting to call, starting to try to touch base with Andy, starting to try to feel like... Hey, maybe I do have more to say. That has me like, oh, I'm so excited. Edge of my seat. Matthew, please spill your guts already. I mean, the stuff that comes to mind for me, for Matthew, has got to be that he does know about Leonard. There was more to it. And maybe he did even have a role in encouraging or something like that. But the fact is he's a kid and Leonard's a man. That's not going to work out for, for Leonard. Matthew could be very embarrassed about his role in all this, but he's still a kid. We do have to be a little bit thoughtful about the fact that Joanna was very clear that at Jacob's age, at 14, he would be tried as an adult. So as much as Matthew is still a kid, if he was involved in something that was questionable in this state, he would also be tried as an adult. So it's important that if Matthew had learned anything in his escapade with telling on Leonard, that, you know, there are actual stakes here. My one question mark is how far did things go with Leonard and was it like a situation where Matthew was participating in it? Like maybe it was like a give me a hand job and I will give you drugs or which obviously the kid did. I will give you access to I don't know what porn to video games money. I don't know what exactly he needed, what his motivation would have been, but some part of me feels like he participated on some level. Mm -hmm. And that's where he's like implicated in all this and maybe wants to tell, not unlike Sarah. That's right. another prime person. Let's talk about that a little bit. In the portion of the story where Andy starts chasing after the kids, the kids meaning Derek and Sarah, that is where I started to feel a little shaky in my relationship with Andy. 
How did you feel when he, when he was zeroing in on them? That was basically what episodes four and five were about because I'm going to include Matthew in on that zeroing in as well. So I felt like with Derek, things felt so weird. Him actually targeting Derek's mom and giving her a flat tire, making her late, just sitting there like uh, figuring out the timing of drop-offs and looking at what when the camp is. That hurts my belly that an adult man would try to figure out when my kid's at camp and what time's pickup and all that. Ooh, it's a really, really hinky situation. Sarah, I appreciate that he talked with her out in daylight and it was a, a lot less contrived. He just said, can I talk to you about this? However, a girl and, a, and an adult man sitting out on a bench midday all felt terrible. He needed that information. It seems like important information, but in the in the Boy Scouts, they have a rule of two, right? Yes. You got to have two grown-ups if you're going to ever be alone with a kid. Andy might need to know that rule if he wants to keep doing this. Well, and additionally, the information that he gets out of, say, specifically Derek, he is probably the most dubious of, of this the situations because he actually is vandalizing, you know, the family's car in order to keep a parent from getting to their kid. That's messed up. Sarah, he went and just said, can we have a conversation? It was a lot more straightforward. Matthew, he asked permission of the mom, as weird as she was that, that she let him in. It was still done, you know, relatively through the right channels. Derek, that one is straight up bad news. Feels like you could lose your, your license. As we find out from a discussion with Duffy, sort of, Derek is involved in the investigation as someone that they've talked to. So if he starts dicking around with that, that kid, that could, you know, snake back on him as some sort of tampering or witness tampering or some something like that. Something actionable. I be- I agree with you. And I definitely think that when we talked about why is he sitting in front of the grand jury, that is something that you and I had brought up that I was like, it seems a lot like he started tampering with evidence. And I mean, we had the physical knife, but then now it's like tampering with witnesses. I mean, he's literally hitting every person that could possibly be involved in the case. Now, as parents, would you do the same or would you handle it differently? If I'm Andy, I would know where those lines are a lot more than I do as Paul. And as Paul, I'm like, I think I could probably stand to do lots of this kinds of stuff. I don't know if I'd be with it enough to find Matthew and go to his house and barge in and, you know, talk to him like a tough guy and all that. I don't know if I could manage all that, but still sorting out details, asking for more from my kids' friends and that sort of stuff. I think I could, I think I could probably do that. I'm actually pretty let down by Lori's role in all of this. She seems... More than just like kind of losing her grip here, I feel more like she is turning inward in a self-centered kind of way. I've lost my job. I'm going to go sit outside and watch my gala take place that I would have been a part of, that I would have probably been a very celebrated person that evening. The way that she's really focused on that, when we're at dinner, she kind of bites at Jacob, you know? yeah. I mean, all the rest of the time, we're seeing Andy, like, gaze over at Jacob during their movie nights and during fishing and when they're in the car. He seems to be actually appreciating some elements of his son. Lori seems so disconnected, not only to Jacob, but certainly to Andy. And in general, she's, like, losing her grip as well. Mm -hmm. There's so many parts to her that is, like, you're not helping the case at all, but you're actually starting to create additional problems. I want to talk about... Some of these revelations, such as the cutter porn. Are you familiar with cutter porn, Paul? Because I don't really know anything about it. I, I don't know. And, and this did not inspire me to go look it up. 
heard Derek say, the little nugget that I heard him say was that it was about tying people up. And the little tiny nugget that we saw Jacob looking at on his phone was a person who was tied up. And there was like three people who were like kind of like heaving the person like in the air, like swinging them back and forth, like kind of like a jump rope. Hmm. And so and the person was bound. So when I hear cutter porn, I'm going with this idea of like being bound up practically in my head. I thought we were going to like cutting, you know, like slicing your own skin, but that didn't seem to be what it is. It does sound like a very fringe interest that is going to be a quick way in TV trope land to paint Jacob as a weirdo. Definitely a person who is leading several different lives. And I think that that part is really important because I think that we've seen threads of that. His response to Sarah after she talks to Andy and explains her whole story of why she got involved and why Derek was involved, which P.S., that was a pretty heartbreaking story. Yeah, that's sort of our product of our times moment. The the girl sending a sexy pic and all that kind of stuff and getting caught up in something that she didn't think would happen. I've got two more Andy questions. One is about his dad and the other is about this I don't know what you call it, but it's like a yearning for simpler times that that keeps coming up in all of these episodes where they're watching Ferris Bueller, they're watching Airplane, they're watching old movies, enjoying movie night, like it's no big deal. So let's talk about that first, because I think that that's probably something that's very common. When you get into a place with kids as they're getting older and things are more complicated, my God, I mean, cutter porn, what? Suddenly your child is not that little guy. And I could see where even for your own self, you're trying to take yourself back to a time when you have happier memories for your own self, not involved with your kid. And so when you're trying to share some happy memories, have some bonding moments, maybe there's also that feeling of like, if he does go to prison, I'm going to lose my opportunity to have these bonding moments, fishing and movie night and things like that. Seems like they did it a long time ago or now and then. But certainly there's that feeling of like wanting to soak in as much quality time. It seemed natural to me. Do you think so? I looked at it from, I guess, a more cynical perspective. And it was a lot like the the mom that like closes the windows when the bill collector's knocking and is like, everything's fine, kids. Everything's fine. Just keep playing. You know, that sort of thing. I agree with you that it does seem a little bit like, you know, again, head in the sand. However, I would say that men generally do better if you're in an activity to try to get them to talk. And so far, Jacob has been at least, we think, pretty shut down. Now, we don't see the parents often try to get information out of him. So I can't definitively say, hey, remember that time when Andy tried to talk with him about XYZ and he just walked off? Mm -hmm. That really hasn't happened. However, things like fishing, where you're doing like a side-by-side parallel activity, that is a cliche moment of when men talk about more deep things so I can understand where it would be more than just hiding his head I think the car ride the fishing activity itself even sitting there on the couch I think that there was like a hope that he would just suddenly open up yeah you're right Jacob didn't exactly spill beans or anything but as we had discussed he does at least and you know show some sorrow for putting his family through such a hard time during the fishing trip. It's just got to go through that whole exercise of going to the fishing pond and getting your fishing stuff and fishing all day. And then finally, at the end of it, he's like, you know, it really sucks that you guys are going through all this. Breakthrough! <laughs> In present times, Andy, 
we also have his trip to go see his dad. And there were a couple moments in there when his dad was just looking for a bone, right? He was just like, okay, can you do this for me? No. Can you do that for me? No. It's like, well, why do I want to do any of this for you? And then it just kind of blew up from there. Is Andy's approach, like you said with Matthew, could it have been altered here to to get more traction right away? Or is it just not in Andy's character? He couldn't have, for instance, just said, yep, I'll talk to him and just lie. So I would have absolutely said, yep, I'll talk to them. No problem. I'll see what I can do. And maybe even add in like it's a long shot. I mean, I don't I don't have anything to do with this, but, you know, I will absolutely ask some questions or something like that. Something that's not even like promising to do shit. I'm with you. That's the type of person I am, though. If I feel like I need something out of this other person, the last thing I think I'm going to do is bully them into it or intimidate them into it. Like for me, I'm absolutely going to be like, how can we make this win win? Like, what can I do? You know, what can you do? Go back and forth. Were you surprised to see J.K. Simmons playing? Dad. I have seen him play some pretty rough characters in his career, so I wasn't expecting him because this show's already kind of pretty loaded with with talent, you know, name talent. So, you know, another big guy like that is is welcome. Another uh, Marvel Universe alum is always welcome in any of my viewing. So let's switch gears a little bit and go to future Andy just for a couple points. One, he keeps referring to both now Lori and Jacob in the past tense. I knew my kid... That's what uh, there's a moment when he says with the cutter porn that he never shared it with Lori, that he always intended to. Nothing about what he's saying makes you think that they are still either around or alive. One of those definitely seemed to be that sense of would have, should have, could have if I still could. But there's a clear like, but I can't for whatever reason. We don't know yet whether those two are not alive and in the picture or if they've taken off for someplace where They've gone missing. I don't even know. I will throw, I will submit that concept that could Lori take Jacob and literally go missing? Mm. Yeah, I'm going to throw that out there because Lori has proven to be pretty smart at the end of the day. I will say that the fact that she took dad's refusal to do the DNA swab as just an opportunity for her to go visit the jail and, and convince him to do otherwise, to me, that means. While she seems reactive to me, which sort of it is, she wasn't the initial person to go get it. She took the news and reacted to it and came up with a plan B. I still think that it's possible, like, maybe they don't even show up at trial. Maybe there was no defending Jacob. Maybe that didn't even happen. Maybe we're not going to see a defense for him because they take off. And then now dad's standing here, you know, cheese stands alone. And he's got to be answering to things that he doesn't know. You know what all of that kind of implies what a your theory but b the fact that we know that she went to talk to dad the reason that they need the swab is to link killer grandpa genetically with jacob in a way so that if he gets found guilty they can say well he's genetically predisposed to violence so please don't be so hard on him she goes and gets the swab what does that imply Andy was like, we don't need it. She, right. He just wants to do a straightforward case and it, just assume that there that there's going to be at least, you know, someone with a... But Lori's down. like, let's get the swab. I think additionally, there's that part where your theory of Lori kind of loses it and kills Jacob herself stands to reason because if you find out that your son has a, a genetic predisposition to killing people and the cutter porn thing 
in any way comes out to her, which it turns out it is binding someone and then cutting something like it could be castrating a man. Yeah. And like, if that's your thing, oh, what is your deal? You know, like I can barely even say that sentence without getting the heebie jeebs. So given that I it is within the realm of possibility of her losing her mind that she does decide that Jacob is too dangerous to be in the world and she cannot sit by and allow someone else get hurt. And she has now seen the prison situation of what happens with dad. She knows what the other side looks like. That's important. It's not just imagined. She's gone to the prison and seen what a convicted killer, what their life looks like. Yeah. Speaking of Lori, let's go ahead and cover her for these two episodes. It seems like these two episodes, she's really cracking. The first of these two episodes is the one where she goes and sits outside her gala. Now, if you were Lori and you'd been kind of drummed out of your job reluctantly, are you going to be doing that kind of shit, you know, sitting in your car outside their event, possibly getting spotted by the people that you invited to come to that event? I personally would not. I think that that's the type of thing that is like self-flagellation that yes. like for me is not my jam. No. <laughs> I she I, never flagellates. I do not. Not like, herself anyway. No, I'm not about flagellating. You know, watching her look at the painting in the waiting room and watching her slowly unravel her need to go and us be able to link that that painting was used as a backdrop or a similar painting was used as a backdrop for the photo op outside the gala. There were moments there that I think they did a good job of linking it and showing us very definitively. How did Lori get from point A to point B? Why was she even thinking about the gala? Oh, yeah, because the therapist's office and the painting, you know, mm-hmm. like so she did do a good job there with the storyline, I thought. But for me, the amount of energy that's being spent on the woe is me. My life has been derailed. I'm not able to do the things that I wanted to do feels unrelatable to me because there is no part of me that would be focused on my career. There's no part of me that would be focused on any extracurriculars. I mean, shoot, we're in big Rona times right now. The second that this shit hit the fan, we have immune compromised kids. I was like, everything's canceled. There's not one part of me that's like, maybe I'm going to go like see if we... We're not going, it's over. Like I have no problem doing that and saying for the good of the kid, this is what I'm doing. And and I don't need to look back at things that I'm missing out on. Her journey through this so far has been almost entirely internal. And it all is these two episodes especially are centering around this idea that is slowly forming in her mind of A, how did her son get to this point and she didn't even know? And B, is it all her fault because of not taking some action earlier in his life? I will add a C to that. We got a C. (laughs) We got a C coming. I will add a C in saying that It has now come to the point where she actually views him as a party outside of herself, which sometimes for moms can be really hard to do. So she doesn't only have regrets about the way that she didn't act earlier. She doesn't only have regrets about allowing Andy to sort of push her in one direction. But now she seems to see Jacob as an entity unto himself that she can get mad at. That she can say, oh, I'm sorry. How should we handle dinner, Jacob? What did you want to talk about? How? Do, what do you want to eat? What's better for you? In a way that's like very adult, adult to adult, very peer-like, you know? Mm-hmm. She sees more, I think, of what he might be capable of 
but I'm not sure why yet because she hasn't been given more information. She doesn't know about the cutter porn. She doesn't know about the way he's talking to Sarah. So for me, it makes sense if you took it as a whole, but Lori as a character hasn't been privy to the fact that he has these more adult tendencies. So her suddenly treating him like an adult felt off to me. She's going through quite a lot. For instance, let me tell you a story about myself. That you oh, let me hear. That you hear. don't know. I don't know it. That's impossible. One day on a ride home from a band trip in middle school, there was a kid in the grade below me who for some reason thought I was some sort of bullying target, even though he was younger and smaller than me. He somehow thought that I was his his bitch, right? He was being a jackass and spitting out the window of the bus while it was moving. One of those globbers hit me. Ew. I did nothing. And I regret it <laughs> to this day not kicking his little ass right then. The reason I bring this up is because Lori gets spit. Mm, that was horrible. Even though it was the dead kid's mom, I don't think my kid killed your kid and you spit in my face. What you gonna do? I'll be honest with you. I think that not unlike you on the bus and Lori in the moment, I would have been so shocked at that action. I think, again, we're in big Rona times, Paul. (laughs) The act of spitting on someone else has taken such a heightened meaning. That's true. You know, that I don't even know if I can separate it. I mean, I I put out the meme of like, I can't believe people sing happy birthday and blow on their cake and then we all eat it. Like, is that going to continue? Do you think they're going to make movies about this time? Yes, where we're all like real friggin' freaked out. The the plot is everyone's at home on their computers. The plot is like being scared of like bodily fluids, you know, like that's a whole thing. I do not think I would have been able to react. I'm just going to be honest. I think I would have just been so shocked at the whole thing. Especially because she goes through the whole exercise of going to the store right when it opens for the whole purpose of avoiding everybody. But so does so yeah. does the other mom. You know, she has uh. her own reasons for being there early too. She doesn't want to see pitying glances. She doesn't want to have to talk to anybody. It was an interesting moment of paralleling their storylines. We do get the opportunity to see Ben's mom speak at the graduation. And so again, I felt like we were seeing how the victim's family was having to deal with things. Seeing her at the grocery store that early reminded me how lonely and how isolated her existence must be. It was interesting that they dealt with graduation in two different ways. We saw the graduation and Ben's mom there, whereas Andy was there to pick up the diploma. Mm -hmm. And that was interesting to not just ignore it on the barber side, but basically say like, and no one of the barber family can even participate in any way. Good to remember. Again, going back to the grocery store, I felt it particularly heartbreaking in that moment because it seemed like Lori had finally gotten to some place of being able to sort of feel like it's okay to celebrate 4th of July. It's okay to want to have a family memory because that's what Andy's doing. I mean, Andy's sitting there watching movies. Andy's taking him fishing. Lori's, you know, been distancing herself. So the idea of like, you know what? I am going to have a picnic and we are going to try to do something as a family. She's been looking for a win. Yes. Like it's chronologically the night before that was the gala and the spilling of the guts to the Globe reporter. Oh my God, not, we have to talk about not that. Not exactly, you know, a 10 on her, on her scale, I'm sure. No, horrible, horrible. 
So yeah, you're right. She sees the the flags and the hot dogs or whatever, and she's like, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna do this. And it just for a moment, she has a second where she just smiles about the thinking that they might actually have a good time, maybe just their little family just together. Yeah. And then spitting. Yeah. I mean, it was telegraphed to both of us, however, though, that like as she was putting in her cart, we were both like, Oh, who's she gonna run into? And I think both of us said Oh, definitely Ben's mom. Like without a doubt, the person who's going to come around the corner and see her smiling without a doubt will be Ben's mom. So like she never has a right to smile again, like forever. I think in public at this point when things are so unresolved, I think I would have leaned more on Joanna and the whole having groceries delivered. Additionally, this is I mean, God, we're in big road of times. Do not even try to tell me you can't Instacart that shit. (laughs) Like, I mean, she doesn't have to be there. And I understand, again, big run of times, we do want to get out sometimes. But, you know, if she wasn't in a place yet to kind of be out there, I think she she should have pumped the brakes. Let us please talk about... The Globe Reporter? The Globe Reporter. Speaking of telegraphing, didn't you feel like when Joanna said, as a reminder, no one speak to a reporter, didn't it feel like, oh, God damn, who is going to end up speaking to a reporter? The whole thing just made me put myself in her shoes. You know, there are moments when I will speak to a stranger about one thing or another, but they're not to this level where I'm just like unpacking my troubles because I know they don't give a shit. And why should they give a shit? I wouldn't give a shit if they started talking to me about their stuff. Yeah. So the fact that that the reporter did seem to give so many shits. It should have been a little yellow flag to her, right? Like, this is unusual. Someone cares. So women do speak to each other more. I know we've had this conversation several times, and I've had it with other hosts when it comes to podcasting and just life. The idea of, like, talking to someone on the plane is like, why would you? And I'm like, why wouldn't you? I was talking to people in the grocery store today, even with masks on, far apart. I was still like being like, ha ha, I better get out of this line. I'm going to keep buying this nail polish. Like, I mean, I'm like making commentary, right? I think that that part was not weird. However, I knew that we were in trouble when the actress playing the supposed stranger was a known actress that I recognized from other things. I was like, oh shit. (laughs) She is a problem. She is going to be a character that matters. I didn't know until she started spilling her guts, that it was like, this is clearly the reporter. (laughs) I have not, however, been in a situation where I would say so much. I mean, my God, why would it even come up that Andy has no friends? I mean, this is some random shit she's spilling. Yeah, I mean, I can can think of times when we've told things to people that we didn't know, but they were always in like a... There was a context to the whole thing. There was a good context, not a diner. And definitely we were not in a scenario where there was a almost gag order on us. I mean, our, our the lawyer said, zip your lip. There's no reason why she should have thought she could speak to anyone. I do think it was important for them to put the very different approaches between Lori and Andy out there for us because it really sends home the idea that she couldn't just go home and talk to Andy. Andy has got a whole different thought process going on here. Definitely. So there is no one for her to talk to. Dr. Vogel. That's what she tries. Do you think it's realistic that neither of them seem to have any family members they could talk to? Like, wouldn't it have been reasonable, even though I know they're trying to keep a small cast and tell a very tight story, do you think it's reasonable that she didn't call a sister or her own mom or somebody? Like, 
shouldn't there have even been maybe a little fracture in her family? Like maybe she tries to reach out and they're not very receptive or something. Or is that just like you can't tell everybody's story? Both ways, man. I mean, I think we got sort of like the friend reaction with the Toby situation and how Toby now is squarely in uh, the, the Ben's mom camp. But you're right. Something about her having zero family, not a mom, not a sister, not a brother, nobody to call does feel weird because she is having to do this whole thing. I know that Andy's there with her, but I, I think she's still dealing with the deception about Andy's father and not sure where she stands with Andy, despite their their closet sex. I don't know that she's feeling super close with him right now. Not at all. And in that closet sex stuff, I mean, I think that that's understandable in terms of them having sort of that, people may not get this, but mid-crisis, you can still crave to have that connection with someone without there being the emotional, we're on the same page part of it all. And I think that that, to me, was relatable. Do you think that audience members are going to have a hard time with the fact that they do seem to be on two different pages and then suddenly they're having sex in the closet? Maybe, but I don't think so. I think there's going to be, you're not going to find any audience members or very many audience members that are going to be like, you know what? My life has been pretty crisis free, so I can't relate to that on some level. There was a lot of face acting going on in that scene. You could tell that there was just sort of like a, hmm, what would you call it with her face? It was sort of like a a needing, a missing a, um, I think a desire for a connection, even though, and this might have been like the only way it could have happened. Raw, rough, not that kind of sensitive. We got to hash out our feelings. Like it's very just like, I need to be connected to you. I need to feel something with you. However, we are not going to be able to look at each other face to face and have a conversation. So I have to get that in a different way. Captain America was like, well, okay. <laughs> I can fulfill your need, madam. Basically. Yeah. I, but I mean, I'm sure he feels the same way. I mean, if you go back to the nostalgia and stuff, I mean, you're you're wanting to reach back and feel the feelings of not only Captain America's dupe, but also... That's America's ass. <laughs> that's America's ass. You want to be able to go back in your memory banks and think about better times, which would include a stronger, healthier, more connected relationship. So... Last character that we really want to cover is, is of course, the, the the reason for the season, <laughs> Jacob himself. Oh, Jacob. All right. So my first note on him revolves around his, we've already discussed it a little bit, but is there anything else you want to say about that morning of questioning? My own skin was crawling. You know, the way I watch TV is I find a character and I zoom into their shoes, right? Because that's the guy I want to be in this story. And in this story... For better or for worse, it's Andy. I'm sitting there as Andy, listening to my son, not being able to remember whether or not he was kneeling next to the kid or not. I can I can tell you every time I've knelt for like the last three years because it's like an event, you know? <laughs> right. But you're but I mean, it's a little different. I can understand when you're in a scary moment. I've never found a dead body. However, I have had my head like fill with blood where I feel like that blood pressure pounding in my ears and like I am almost lost as to uh, like an actual train of thought. Mm -hmm. So the idea that this might be difficult to reconstruct, I don't think that that was far-fetched. However, 
as much as I've loved Joanna as a character, I thought, you know what, as much as Jacob is going to be tried as an adult, I felt like she was peppering him with questions in a way that you might an adult. I felt like there could have been other ways. Maybe, you know, it sounds silly because of how old Jacob is, but a lot of times with kids, you would have taken dolls or you would have had like a scenario drawn and you would have said, show me on the map where Ben's body was. Show me where you were standing. You know, like you would actually kind of talk it through together rather than it be an inquisition. And so I thought that that felt like there could be some holes in how that was handled enough to say, I I think she could have confused me if you're going to say, well, Derek said your pants were clean. And I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know. Did I have a spot on my knee or did I? I don't I don't know. I'm not looking at my full self in a full length mirror once I leave my house. So Mm -hmm. I don't really know. I mean, is that's what Derek said? Now you're confusing me. That could have been handled very differently. And I don't even understand why the therapist wasn't a part of it. You know, come to think of it, Derek noticing my pant condition or what, that's hardly evidence, right? I mean, that's hard. I mean, prove it, dude, prove it, <laughs> right? You can't, I don't know. He was letting, he was letting that kind of stuff get to him, but. Well, Joanna was making it seem important. Right. Like a fellow metal school boy noted the, the condition of the knees of your pants. I would not. Really? I would only note the condition of the pants if they were weird. I wouldn't note, oh, they weren't messed up that day i honestly don't believe you would note anything if it wasn't a girl for one thing or i mean you're you're looking at below the belt of another guy i don't think you are for what purpose i just don't think you are i don't think you're paying any attention just logistically think of how busy the hallways were the idea of getting a good look at someone else's knees i mean come on you and i have been in those situations You're, you're like looking shoulders up Let's talk about his treatment of Sarah and what that might tell us about him overall. Sarah does not seem to have any ulterior motive in reaching out to him and coming over and talking and and commiserating with him. She doesn't seem to want any kind of romantic connection. That doesn't seem to be part of the deal. She does seem to want to be a good friend with him. And he goes all over the map with all that, right? Yeah, I think that's what I read was all over the map. The romantic part, though, was really implied by Andy and Lori. You know, the idea that, ooh, look at them sitting together. I don't know that Jacob and Sarah ever really put out that vibe. They were being friendly with each other. They're of the opposite sex. Yes, all of those things are true. But I don't. But Jacob wasn't like, hey, baby, baby, let's like, you know. There wasn't anything like that, really. It was, Andy was enjoying the idea that his son could be typical for a moment. But Mm, that's a good observation. I don't know that it was coming from the two of them. You know, I did think that as disappointed as Jacob was that Sarah sat and spoke with dad, his use of saying slut and talking to her like that really made my skin crawl. I felt the same way when I watched that scene. I was like, dude, you know, this is your one friend left in all of the universe You didn't really even earn it with her. You know, she's she came to you. I think additionally for me, and I agree with you that you don't treat friends like that, but that's very aggressive for a guy to say to a girl. Ah, there we go. Now that's what I was asking for. Some some analysis of his behavior. Aggression. Aggression and anger. Just the willingness to turn on a dime. Someone that he could easily bully. Yeah, and the fact that, I mean, having what we were shown as a lengthy 
period of a good relationship, a good friendship, right? Mm -hmm. And then he hears one thing and he just switches off. That to me is a scary, scary person. A regular friend, someone who has a typical healthy relationship may come back and say, what the hell? Why'd you go talk to my dad? Like, you know, question, ask. But to go straight to like, you're a slut and just like, turn it all off. You scare me. You literally scare me. He he reminds me of people in that kind of behavior, just the judging of, of people based on a couple of things that they've done. Like he's calling her that because of the of the sexy pic that she sent, right? That caused I like, think he's calling her that because he's angry that she talked to dad. Well, I think it's about the sexy pic. I don't. I think that she's angry about he's he's angry about dad. Slut is a very horrible thing that you can say. To a girl. I mean, besides bitch and slut, what else you got in your bag of tricks for the most part? Is the C word. Right. The C word you reserve for like turning both keys. Yeah, that's about uh, it. But I mean, other than that, honestly, I mean, I think that that's a go-to word. I agree with you. Obviously, the picture comes into play. Obviously, the compromised position and the, how vulnerable Sarah was and the fact that she did share that with super awkwardly, which I have to say, that scene, you and I said... That the actress they had playing Sarah was so natural and it seemed so so normal the way that she spoke as a kid. I thought that that was a very unnatural exchange between Andy and Sarah when it came to her admitting to sexting pictures. She told it like she was telling a book report and he accepted it from a young girl like he was reading it in the paper. There was no like cringe from either of them that I'm sorry in a real world situation you would cringe you're right, because this is the same guy that when he heard, oh, it's a kid that's been murdered, he had to like take a step and get his composure back, right? So even though he's a tough-as-nails prosecutor that has seen it all and heard it all, he can be phased. And you're saying this was one of those things that would have, should have phased him. I think absolutely. I mean, we have had babysitters in our house. We have had babysitters that have all been female, share or say things out loud we're we're more not questionable is way too strong of a word but private and not necessarily something that you're going to share with the dad of of another family you know Mm -hmm. and you and i have both been like (laughs) we both made the cringe you know like oh god i know we're friendly with each other but there's no way that she didn't see him as an authority figure. There's no way that there was any confusion that maybe this was an adult I thought was my friend. And so maybe I got a little loose with the way that I was talking. I've had that situation as a teenager. We've had teachers in the past that wanted to have that relationship where you get a little loose with the way you were speaking. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like that. He was there as an authority figure. She was there as a kid telling an embarrassing story. And yet she didn't really read as embarrassed. You know, she said she was embarrassed, but it didn't come across in their interaction. I just mm-hmm. found that odd for as well as they had done earlier. So maybe my expectation was set really high and that maybe is unfair, but it really felt gross. That conversation felt really gross. And he took it like, oh, you took a nude of yourself? Sure, sure, as we all do when we're young girls. What the hell, Andy? I mean... You're not horrified on some level. You didn't. He should have gotten in the car and been like, like slap himself in the head. Like, this is so much worse than I thought. Before Jacob starts calling her names, he does a couple of weird things because he's still into her. Like we think, I think that he's, he's very into her, even though I don't get the sense that she's necessarily into him on the same level. What did you think of the axe 
murderer picture issue. I mean, when I saw it, I was like, why would you do that? Why would you put your face on a guy wielding an axe like that? Why? And send it to somebody. It's not even that convincing of a Photoshop job. I mean, what? I don't think it was meant to be convincing. That he has a a skewed sense of what's okay. I mean, period. I, I really think that that just, like, you could just paint that. And, the, and I could win, like, understatement of the year award on that. I think that he thought that it was a joke you know, or thought that he was coming off witty. Funny. Yeah, yeah, witty. And he isn't reading the room, period. You know, I mean, he just isn't. And the thing about him, though, is that they showed us that test that, that the doctor was doing with him with the, with the heart rate and showing the disturbing pictures. And so they had already given us a really nice foundation that his heart rate does not go up when he sees very disturbing imagery, that is such a perfect dovetail into what you're asking me of why would he send a disturbing picture? He doesn't read it as disturbing. There's no part of his body that has that visceral reaction that you do. That's really important and also answers why he could go over to an appearing dead body and not have that like, holy shit, I think he's lying about being scared. I think that there was way more an element of maybe curiosity if we even believe that he wasn't involved in the actual murder him walking over there was kind of like a oh man look what i stumbled upon like this is crazy you know who else does not get uh, a high heart rate when when stumbling across dead people or even killing people the kids from stand by me i think it was Kiefer sutherland specifically i was <laughs> well maybe but i was thinking of hannibal lecter actually there's a part in, the, in that movie when they mentioned that yeah. You know, he, he killed some guards or something like that, and his heart rate never got above 80 or whatever they said. I forget the quote. It's been a long time, but that's the point. No, you're you're 100% right. I think that we can all common sense-wise, without having any medical background, know that when you hear people say, I don't think I could do it, I don't think I could pull the trigger, I don't think I could do whatever, and why is that? It's because my body physically would recoil from harming someone else. I couldn't, one of our children is deaf and blind. I have said to you in so many self-defense classes, they tell you to poke out someone's eyes, to injure their eyes. And I am so sensitive to that situation that for me, I would find it no matter what they were doing to me. And I know that's crazy. I don't have the stomach to hurt someone else's eyes like that. Mm -hmm. And so there's so much a part of that, that that to me maybe is too sensitive, I probably, but I think I fall more on the typical spectrum than being able to say, I got no problem scooping people's eyes out. And in fact, I enjoy watching porn about it. <laughs> right. You know, like that's a different situation. I finally found that porn channel just for me. I want to seriously highlight how well they're putting the puzzle pieces together. This is so important to me because I have complained about so many other shows where I say, show me something more clever, draw the lines more, give me more foundation for why this character would act like this. Paul, they have laid it all out there. I can see how they're making the story grow and layer. We can see where people's motivations would be. We can see how the trust with Joanna has been starting to break whether you're Lori or whether you're Andy or whether you're Jacob, that really warm grandma figure that we had getting our groceries, we don't we don't look at her the same way. That is such good storytelling. I can't wait to see the next one. I am very excited. Now, you said that we were going to ask ourselves two questions at the end of every podcast. Uh-huh. 
One, who do you think killed Ben? I think they're trying to give us the explanation that Derek was trying to protect Sarah's honor and that's how things got so messed up and why Derek's even folded into this. I hear their noise. I don't know that I accept that as the full story. I think that the way that Sarah and Derek interacted on the stairs and the way that Derek had that kind of stalking personality of uh-huh. his yeah. and, and saying shit on the internet, I still think that he is messy into this. I even want to submit that being brought Matthew into this mix and everything with Leonard, that there might be some other extra. Okay, I'm going to take a pause. We're going to go on a quick tangent. I can remember two different stories that had uh, storylines where in order for a boy or a man to avoid having to do something with their abuser, they recruit another boy. And in doing that, they save themselves. So Matthew makes me wonder exactly what's going on. Derek makes me wonder exactly what's going on. And I think that Jacob is mixed into this. And the idea of being like recruited into something, it being painted as something else, and then suddenly you didn't know what you got into. These boys in particular are are the key. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. think it's going to be Sarah. I don't think it's going to be some outside party we don't know. I think that these boys got in over their heads and things went out of control. Okay, that was not an answer. But um, <laughs> oh shoot, okay. I'm thinking. I'm, I'm looking at Matthew right now, wondering. You know, he's got some big secret in there. You know, if, if what you're saying is true, a variation of that could mm-hmm. be related to Leonard. Maybe talking Matthew into taking care of Ben for some reason. Or Ben gets one step into your circle that Matthew had recruited in and he says, I'm going to go squeal. I'm going to go cause a problem. And one of the other boys, maybe in particular, Matthew says, you know, I got to go nip this in the bud or I'm going to be exposed for the part I played in this whole thing. Mm -hmm. And so, because again, the main thing that I told you that I felt was a huge motivation was humiliation was the idea of this pride, keeping secrets because you don't want to be embarrassed People not understanding who you really are and and misjudging the situation. I mean, that has come across in so many different ways that that feels like the pivotal point to really hone in on who would have been humiliated by Ben. How could that have extrapolated to more than just Jacob? Yeah, you're right. It's going to be somewhere in that group of boys. I think that is where it lies, is somewhere in those three plus Leonard. I don't think there's any extra people. Like I know you've said, we have to have already seen who the killer is amongst these people. Yeah. And we don't even know names of other kids or other people who could have been involved. So I think that there was more to this. Maybe Ben recruited Jacob into it and and once realized Jacob wigged out and maybe he did do it. Yeah. There's a lot to it there. I'm always, I'm willing to keep Jacob on the table here as like he has shown a side to himself that is very ugly and very concerning. Second question is why is Andy answering to the grand jury in the future? And I think you're on to something with the whole, what, what, what was the right term? It was uh, the tampering with the witnesses, the tampering with evidence and the... I think it could be what you said too, though, the, the straight up disappearance of Jacob and Lori. Whether that be an actual, you know, we found... Remember you said in the last, in the last podcast, maybe he's standing over two bodies when the police show up. Maybe he's not. Maybe it's it's court day and he, he's putting on his suit and he's calling for them and no one's there and 
shit falls out and they're only looking at him as like the where'd you put him you know what happened here you know i think that we still stand to show more hinky business on andy's part i think that the flat tire was just the start of some questionable behavior towards other people that if you were able to connect the dots be it the grand jury be it the prosecution be it other witnesses you could start creating pattern of him being a deviant person and being willing to manipulate people do things that are outside of what the rest of us would do yeah the idea of the the framework of the show relying on him going to the grand jury for like obstruction of justice or something is not super sexy you know storytelling wise i think it was just laid out so early on in the story that it it couldn't be we had to have more i mean those charges complex, m- might be in there i think they are but I, but, <laughs> but i do think that it's it's going to come down to a more a a more complex killer i told you maybe it's going to be like clue where like five different people had their hand on the knife maybe each one did a stab you know, and you're going to get down to like some sort of multiple weird situations, you know, right, right. something like that, where it's not clear who did the stab that created the problem. They would have already found it. But if they had found evidence of Ben having been tied up. Oh, shit. Oh, God. Good call on that. Good call on that. I, th- I think Sarah's in trouble, to be honest with you, because of this. I mean, I think that Jacob will demand some amount of retribution in his mind. I don't think that Sarah's in the clear. Compelling stuff, Yeah, all right, sports fans. (laughs) Well, we'll see you next time. I don't necessarily have a great prediction for what's coming next because this has been Curveball City. Dr. Vogler is going to come in to play it. We're going to get those DNA results. And I think there's a possibility that if you get J.K. Simmons to play dad, I don't think he's in just one moment in time. That seems right. I think he's coming back in. I think there's going to be more there. There's a lot to work from with this little nugget that we've had kind of twisting and twisting and twisting and twisting. It's gotten a lot more complicated. I think Jacob and Andy, shit, even Lori, all three of them are going to do more outlandish things. We are not going to plod along to the trial. We are going to start seeing some serious deviant behavior out of these people. That's why we watch. This has been Paul. This is Caroline. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.